the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And while your faith is a gift from God, your faith itself is not good enough to meet the claims of the law. Now, why do I say that? Because how many of you had faith in God and you start out all right and then it messed up a little bit? I have. Remember Abraham? He believes the Lord and then the Hagar thing happens. And the Lord comes to him and says, walk before me and be blameless. And he falls on his face and says, oh, no. And we've been there. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with the conclusion of the message he entitles, The Righteousness of the Gospel of God. Here's Pastor Mike. You will not be justified because of the works of the law. You can't obey enough to make up for your former sins. You can't rehabilitate yourself enough to atone for that one thing you did wrong that you know about, no one else does, and it hangs in your head. The single sin that started your life of sin is all it takes for the law. The law and all its power and beauty and purity to condemn you every day of your life and in the judgment day. So by works of the law, you will not be justified in the judgment day. And you cannot have peace in your present situation either. Now, does that mean that God is lawless? God has to forgive us. How can he deal with us? Is he lawless? No. It means that we are a mess and that law cannot produce a righteousness that is good enough for the judgment day. Here, Paul is very clear. It is not the purpose of the law to save you. Why don't you repeat that after me? The law cannot save me. The law cannot save me. It is the purpose of the law to give us a knowledge of sin. The law is to teach us that we have a great need. It is also to be a moral standard, but it is not to be our Savior. Most good people struggle with sin every day. Most good people think that if they do better, that somehow God will accept them for the good deeds they do. That's not what's going on here. Friend, today is the day that it's hard to get through sin. Our present struggle is what we have every day. And whatever God does for us in a future judgment day... It better work today or we will never make it through the judgment day. I mean, if we can't have peace in our life, then we're going to come to the judgment day with no peace. Correct? So here is where it's at. Judgment is now. Jesus says now is the judgment of this world. He spoke of judgment when his words would be proclaimed, that somehow the truth of the gospel would meet people in their need. And he says, if someone hears the voice of the Son of Man, those who hear will live. And he meant right now and in the future resurrection. We need God's grace today. Most good people struggle with sin every day, and I'm no exception to this. And whatever God does for us, he's got to bring it to us now. Romans 3.21, Paul moves from what we have done wrong to what God has done right for us in Jesus. Look at verse 21, but now. Now he shifts from the past to now. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Here Paul is moving away from our feeble attempts to be righteous to a righteousness that stands outside of us, to a righteousness that is good enough for right now and the judgment day. The righteousness of the gospel of God. And Paul says that this righteousness has been manifested. 
The Greek word means it has appeared. It has suddenly come into history. It can be seen with the eyes. The righteousness of God is now visible for the human race and for those in need. The Greek word means, as I said, is appeared. And so Paul is very quick to add that God's righteousness is apart from the law. The law being righteous, and he'll say so a little later on, is not the righteousness of God that will save you for the judgment day. God's righteousness that saves us is not of the law, he says here. Now, notice what he does not say. This does not mean that God's righteousness is lawless or against the law, as so many people say. God's righteousness does not do away with the law. God's righteousness upholds the law. He's quick to add that the law bears witness to this righteousness. Look at verse 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for who? What? For all who believe, for there's no distinction since how many people have sinned? Okay, there's all of us. We've all sinned. And what? We all fall short of the glory of God. So we've not just messed up in the past. We continue to fall short in the present. And so we need a right now righteousness that meets our need in real terms and real living. My translation reads, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The Greek literally says the righteousness of God through the faith of Jesus Christ. Here's the question. Is Jesus the object of this faith in the sentence or the source of the faith that justifies and thus the subject of the idea? In other words, is the faith that he's talking about that justifies, is it Christ's faith or is it the faith of the believer in Christ? Well, the fact is it's both in a way. Christ's faithfulness is good enough to stand the scrutiny of the judgment day, whereas ours is not. But our faith in Christ links us to that so that we are in Christ. When you have faith in Jesus as your Savior, the perfect faith of Jesus becomes the basis of your acceptance with God right now and in the judgment day. And while your faith is a gift from God, your faith itself is not good enough to meet the claims of the law. Now, why do I say that? Because how many of you had faith in God and you start out all right and then it messed up a little bit? You ever done that? Come on. Have you? I have. Remember Abraham, he believes the Lord, and then the Hagar thing happens. And the Lord comes to him and says, walk before me and be blameless. And he falls on his face and says, oh no. And we've been there. See, God took his faith that was imperfect, and he worked with it. He justified him, he sanctified him, he accepted him, and he took him through life until the test came and he passed it. But when was he accepted? At the beginning of the journey, not just the end. Through the entire journey. So we need a right now righteousness that is perfect and fully faithful to God. A righteousness that keeps the law of God. A righteousness that does not fail. And we find that in the faith of Jesus. Paul says in Romans 3.21 that the righteousness of God has been manifested or revealed apart from the law. We need to understand that we are not saved by that law. We are saved by a Savior. And the law points us to Jesus. In Galatians 3.23, Paul says, Faith came and thus was revealed, just like the righteousness of God was revealed in Romans 3.21. So Galatians and Romans are cross-talking. Turn with me to Galatians 3.23, and let's look at the verse. He says, Now before faith came, we were confined under the law, kept under restraint until faith should be revealed, so that the law was our custodian, like our tutor that would discipline us, until Christ came that we might be justified, how? By faith. And notice here in verse 23 that faith came. Now look at verse 24. Do you see where it says Christ came? Are you looking at the two passages? 
So faith came, and when faith came, Christ came. You see, Christ and faith are treated as equivalents in the verse. The faith we need is the faith of Jesus. The faith that's good enough for the judgment day is the faith of Jesus. So faith and Christ are treated as the same good thing that came. And then he says in verse 24 that Christ as faith came so that we might be justified by faith, legally acquitted by faith. Literally, the text reads, so that we might be justified out of the faith. That's the Greek. The Greek text indicates that we are justified. Now grasp this. Not because our faith is good enough. We are justified out of the perfect, flawless faith of Jesus, which is good enough for the judgment day. Christ will stand before the judgment bar of God for his people. In Daniel 7, he comes before the Ancient of Days is presented before him in that great pre-advent judgment, a proxy judgment. And as the books are opened, we are not there. Christ represents us there. And he stands before God and he confesses the names of his people before God. I like that. And God looks at Christ and he says, good enough if you are in Christ. If you're not in Christ, not good at all. So to be found in Christ is to be found in the Lamb's book of life. To be found in the Lamb's book of life is to have the faith of Jesus, which justifies. And your faith in Jesus is what places you in that beautiful, protective environment of God's grace. Christ is the focus. You see, the mustard seed of our tiny faith must reach out to the mountain of his faithfulness. And thus, when you place your tiny faith in Jesus, the huge, magnificent, powerful faith of Christ holds you, forgives you, keeps you from this point to the judgment day in Christ. You are safe. The faith of Jesus, friend, will stand the scrutiny of the law of God and all the mistakes you've ever made. And the devil's accusations will have no power against his faithfulness in the future and even now. The faith of Christ has no moral defect to it and no failing in it at all. The faith of Jesus, friend, is ours by faith in Jesus. Even if our days are bad and full of trouble and our faith frail, the faith of Jesus justifies. It provides a right now righteousness that's good enough for the judgment day and good enough for today as well. Romans 3.24 They are, what does it say, justified how? By his grace as a gift through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. You know, what a wonderful verse this is. We sometimes read so fast, let the verse sink in. We are justified by God's kindness. That's what grace is, his kindness toward us. Justification means legal acquittal in the Greek language. Not guilty. The judge here is speaking for us through Christ. We are declared not guilty because of God's kindness given to us in Jesus. The judge acts for us with kindness. Paul says it is a gift of God. We are freed from the condemnation of the law as a gift of heavenly kindness. God's kindness, friend, is not a subjective kind of thing that you can't wrap your head around. It is real in concrete terms. The text says that the kindness of God is through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, God has chosen to forgive you in kindness through the gift of Jesus as your Savior. Huge. Huge. I mean, it meets the need of a heart that cannot make it on its own. Christ is proof that God loves you and that God is kind to you and that God can set you free from you and the condemnation of the law that hangs over you. Thus, Jesus becomes the focus of the righteousness of the gospel of God that sets the sinner free 
So how did God pull all of this off? How could he be true to his law and set the sinner free? How did God provide a right now righteousness that can set you free from the stuff in your head, the condemnation you deserve, your failings in light of God's law, so you can grow and know him without the fear in the middle? How did he do this? Verse 25 holds the answer. You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Tanko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. whom God put forward as an expiation. Some translations will say propitiation. The Greek is hilasterion. It's the Greek word used for the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant where the blood was sprinkled, where the law was at, where blood and law meet, and where the cancellation of the offense occurs. The expiation, the guilt offering, the blood atonement by his blood. He goes on to say to be received by faith. And this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. God looked to be the liar in the Old Testament. When he told Adam, you will die, he didn't. He didn't die that day. It took him almost a thousand years to die. And the death he was talking about, no one died that day. It was final end time judgment. God looked to be the liar and in kindness and grace he strove with the human race until Jesus showed up. And when the sins of the world settled on Jesus' back, In Gethsemane, within one day, all of the collective evil that anyone has ever committed from Adam to the end was funneling through his head and mind and heart and emotions. As a human being, he lived your life, your life, your life, and mine. And when it was over, when he had gone through something worse than the devil and his angels will endure in the lake of fire on the cross, when it was over, It was finished. There was nothing left to condemn. Nothing left to deal with. God had done it. He had dealt with what his law requires in himself so he could set you and me free from the condemnation of the law. That's what the apostolic gospel taught and that's what meets our need for the judgment day. By faith in Jesus... We accept the fact that Jesus died for our sins, every single one of them. He became the substitute for us with all our failures. What we deserve by breaking God's law, he received even though he kept it perfectly by faith. And what we do not deserve because we broke his law, we receive in kindness because he did not break his law of love. And we receive God's grace by our imperfect exercise of faith in the one who had perfect faith for us. Paul says that Jesus became the expiation for our sins by his blood. He was our guilt offering. You know, I'm grateful for the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you? I'm grateful that God took the blood of the Lamb of God and he put it right on my sins. Like Clorox bleach, the red blood of Christ washes away my sins. Washes yours away too. You know, we got children leading out today up here in worship quite a bit, don't we? I like it. You know, this church wasn't built for us. It was built for the generation to come. And I want to have fun too. But we're going to have campouts here. We're going to put a tree house up next spring. We're going to have a lot of fun here. But you know what I want our kids to know? I want them to know that God's law has not been done away with. 
God's law is here. The Bible can be trusted. And I want them to know that Jesus died for them so that they can grow without condemnation in their life. Wouldn't that be a good fit? And I want you to know it too. That's what we need in our deepest level. The blood of Christ is the key that opens heaven for us. That opens your life to God's kindness and forgiveness right now and for the judgment day. Romans 3.26 The blood of Christ does more than just help us. The blood of Christ vindicates the character of God and it demonstrated at the cross fully and finally that God himself is righteous as God himself forgives you in Jesus for your sins. Verse 26 This was to prove at the present time that he, that's God, himself is righteous and that he justifies him who has faith in Jesus, then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. On what principle, he asks the question. On the principle of works? No. But on the principle of faith. For we hold that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And you can underline verse 28. That's how you will be justified too. By faith apart from works of the law. God will justify you because of your connection to Jesus Christ in the judgment day. And God will work in your life to change it but only in an atmosphere of acceptance and freedom from fear. Because fearful Christians are angry Christians, and angry Christians cannot obey. And the kind of sanctification God wants, the kind of worship He wants, comes from the heart that loves Him, that has been set free from the stuff that gums up relationships. He wants us connected to Him by faith and love, with joy and peace in the mix. This last week, I had an awful week from a human perspective. Has anyone ever had one of those... Have you? Okay, you can amen every now and then. It won't hurt us here. It was a bad week. When you work like crazy and the gains are hard fought and you just feel demoralized. Come on, let me pity party here a little bit. Yeah, Pastor Mike, okay. Now, I've been sick. And I didn't have the luxury of resting up to get better either. More pitying. But Monday night, it hit me like a ton of bricks just settled down on me. I felt tired. I felt isolated. I felt whiny and inadequate. I felt like all my best... I'm just having fun with you. All my best efforts didn't work and couldn't make a difference at all. I had a day like that. Now that's where I need God, in a day like that. And I began to talk to God, frankly, with frustration, like a lament in the Psalms. You know, the Bible has real talk with God, not fake religious talk. And I was doing that kind of thing. Oh, Lord, why have you smitten my liver? And that kind of talk we find in the Bible. I confessed my sins. You know, when you're feeling bad, you say, what did I do wrong? Maybe this, that, yeah, uh-huh. Confessed my sins to him. I told the Lord that I was upset with him anyway. I said, because if you're a loving God, you shouldn't be treating me this way. Because I am a sinner, but I want to get better. And I was stunned. At that moment, God spoke to me in the kindness of an open door and a friend. Friend, we cannot open the door to heaven. We cannot fix our mess on our own. And so what do we do? When my car came to a stop at that Bible study Monday night, I got out with my Bible. I didn't even want to do that Bible study. i got to go be spiritual tonight. I'm mad at God tonight. How am I supposed to do that? And so I got out of the car, and I was in a hurry, and I hit the lock switch, slammed the door, and then I realized I left my keys in the car. I go, there you go, you know. I was looking up and saying, hey, what's going on here? Had my Bible in my hand, my keys in the car. I was locked out. My wife would have to come get me out. She was tired. My heart sank. And so I tried everything. I put a 
big stick in there trying to get the switch. I couldn't get it open. You know, I almost broke my window. I had to give up. And when I was at my bottom level, Sydney came by. He went to the door. He put his hand on it, the back door behind the driver's, and just pulled it, and it opened right up. <sighs> Friend, we cannot open the door to heaven by trying hard. We can't work our way into favor. We can't use our best efforts to get God to accept us. You know, your efforts should be in surrender. It should be in getting on your knees and admitting you can't do it on your own. And in your humility, God will open the door to heaven for you. And so the door was open, and I took it for what it was meant to be that day. God speaking to me and saying, Pastor Mike, or Mike, I do love you. Yes, you are having a hard week and a hard day. I didn't leave you because of the hard week and the hard day. And yes, you've messed up a little bit, maybe a lot. I still haven't left you. I have set before you an open door, which no man can shut, as the Bible says. And by faith, walk through that door and quit whining. I said, thank you, Lord. Now, I may come back to him this way, because I have a hard time learning. Maybe you do, too. But the God we love accepts us by justification at the beginning of the journey, and we grow in grace every day as we come to know him more deeply. And if we don't give up on him, he does not give up on me, on us. Jesus, friend, is the righteousness of the gospel of God that opens the door to heaven. I'd like to end with an excerpt from the book, The Desire of Ages, that speaks of the faith of Jesus that overcame our sins at the cross. The spotless Son of God hung upon the cross. His flesh lacerated with stripes, those hands so often reached out in blessing, nailed to the wooden bars. Those feet so tireless on ministries of love spiked to the tree, that royal head pierced by the crown of thorns. Those quivering lips shaped to the cry of woe and all that he endured, the blood drops that flowed from his head, his hands, his feet, the agony that racked his frame and the unutterable anguish that filled his soul at the hiding of his father's face speaks to each child of humanity declaring, it is for thee that the Son of God consents to bear this burden of guilt. For thee he spoils the domains of death and opens the gates of paradise. He who stilled the angry waves and walked the foam-capped billows, who made devils tremble and disease flee, who opened blind eyes and called forth the death to life, offers himself upon the cross as a sacrifice, and this from love to thee. He, the sin-bearer, endures the wrath of divine justice and for thy sake becomes sin itself. In silence the beholders watched for the end of the fearful scene. The sun shone forth, but the cross was still enveloped in darkness. Priests and rulers looked toward Jerusalem, and lo, the dense cloud had settled over the city and the plains of Judea. The Son of Righteousness, the light of the world, was withdrawing His beam from the once-favored city of Jerusalem. The fierce lightnings of God's wrath were directed against that fated city. Suddenly the gloom lifted from the cross, and in clear trumpet-like tones that seemed to resound throughout creation, Jesus cried, It is finished. Father, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. A light encircled the cross and the face of the Savior shone with a glory like the sun. He then bowed his head upon his breast and died. Amid the awful darkness, apparently forsaken of God, Christ had drained the last dregs in the cup of human woe. And in those dreadful hours, he had relied upon the evidence of his Father's acceptance heretofore given him.
He was acquainted with the character of his father. He understood his justice, his mercy, and his great love. By faith, he rested in him who it had ever been his joy to obey. And as in submission, he committed himself to God. The sense of the loss of his father's favor was withdrawn. And here are the words that speak to me the loudest. By faith, Christ was victor. The faith of Jesus. Friend, take the mustard seed of your faith. That is a gift from God. Wrap your arms around Jesus. And let the one who gained that victory for you at the cross hold you with his faithfulness every day of your life in acceptance as you surrender to him to the judgment day where he will confess your name before the Father and his holy angels. God bless you. Dear Heavenly Father, we're not good people on our own. And we weren't born as good people. We're in the church at times and we're not good people in the church. But we're your people. And Father, we're grateful that the angel said he will save his people from their sins. Lord, we want that in the form of forgiveness today. And we also want it in the form of a changed life every day. Grant us this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's Reaching Your heart.com. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.